0: again to Mill City. My name is JD. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, It's a privilege to be here this morning. We're going to continue our uh, worship gathering together uh, by looking at some scripture together. Uh, If you're new with us this morning, special welcome to you. I hope you got to meet someone new just now, but uh, we'd love to hear your story, learn more about what's going on in your life. So uh, if you want a chance to talk to a pastor or uh, someone on our welcome team, we'll be hanging out in the back by the connections table. I'll be there as well if you want to say hello. Uh, We're in the midst of this series, this Advent series. This is uh, several years in a row we've been doing this where we've been focusing on Advent and uh, coinciding with the Advent candles and focusing on different themes every week. And this year we've been focusing on God's movement in the Christmas story, what God was up to in the Christmas story. We're always asking at Mill City, what is God up to and how can we respond? And so this Sermon series, in a way, is an expression of that geared towards the Christmas story. So, before I dive in, let's pray. Welcome God into this space, into this time, as we approach Scripture together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're here to worship you, we're here to glorify your name. We come as we are, not as we think we should be. God, we come ready uh, to hear your voice. We anticipate the experience of your presence, God. You say that when we're gathered together, you're with us. God, we long to experience that presence this morning as we go to your word and try to learn more about what it means to follow you, to be in relationship with you. God, we pray that you would bless this school. God, I know that there's teachers who are tired. There's students who are tired. There's administration that are tired, God, as they anticipate this break that's coming up. God, would you fill them with courage, energy, and peace as they tackle all the challenges that will come in these next few weeks before they go on break. God, we ask that your presence would remain here and be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, how many rerun folks out there? Hands? Okay. Quite a few of you out there. Sweet. I have to admit, I am not a rerun guy. I, I just, there's probably something messed up with me, but I just cannot watch shows over again. And, and I, this gets me in trouble in my marriage a little bit. So uh, typical like Thursday night, nothing going on. We sit down to watch a movie, my wife and I, and uh, she'll start flipping through Netflix. And she's like, how about this one? I'm like, nah, seen that. She's like, how about this one? No, I've seen that. About the fourth one, she just smacks me. She's like, what have you not seen on here? I just can't bring myself to pay attention and stay focused through a whole movie that I've seen before. And it's probably a patience issue with me or something like that, but this is... Generally true, I think, with stories that we hear over and over again. The first time we hear them, there's this excitement, anticipation, and intrigue. But as we hear stories over and over again, they can become sort of hollowed out. And the meaning that we found in them originally isn't quite there anymore. We have to look at it from a different angle to rediscover that again. And I think one of the stories that that can happen with is the Christmas story. How many of you come around this season and uh, maybe hear the Christmas story and you say, man, I've heard this before and it's hard to stay focused when you're hearing it? I have a classic example from my family. Uh, My extended family on my dad's side always reads the whole chapter of Luke 2 right before we open Christmas presents. Which for me, as I've already been vulnerable with you guys, is tough. And so I remember, even as a little kid, like, I know how this story goes. Can we just get to the Tonka toys, please? But I think as we enter into this Advent season, what this season is about is building anticipation for this story again and what it means for us. So what I want to do this morning is take a little different approach, maybe, to the Christmas story and look at a text that's not an explicit Christmas story text, but is implicitly talking about what's occurring in the Christmas story. And that's John 1. I want to look at the first chapter of John, not the whole chapter, the first 14 verses. And I want to look at this because I think for uh, you, maybe if you're experiencing this hollowing out of the meaning of the Christmas story, hopefully this will reinvigorate some of the meaning for you again. Now, before we dive into the scripture, let me give you a little context for this scripture because this is a really important scripture Uh, and it's been talked about a lot, and I think the context is super important. First of all, this is the the last gospel, if you will, and a lot of scholars agree that probably this was the last gospel that was written out of the four of them, and it was specifically written, they think, to a group of people that was multicultural, in that it was written to a mix between a Jewish and a Greek or Greco-Roman audience. And so what this means is partially what the author is doing in some sense is not just telling the story of Jesus, but trying to translate it, trying to tell it in such a way that resonates with people from different backgrounds and different experiences and different ways of thinking. And so it's really important to consider that as we're reading these first few verses together. And another just quick warning before we jump into it. If John, the author of this, lived today, he would be a Twitter fiend. He would be amazing on Twitter because he's amazing at packing so much meaning into 140 characters. So there's a lot of sentences in this scripture that we're about to read that would get retweeted several times. Because they're packed with meaning. They just make you stop and say, wait a second, let's ponder that for a couple hours. We don't have that this morning, so we're going to cruise through, but we're going to try to glean as much as we can. And another thing to consider is the gospel... Uh, of John does not have, like I said, a Christmas story to it. doesn't tell necessarily in detail the story of Jesus's birth. And I think that's due in part that the author of this book understands that possibly the community that he's writing to would have had maybe a, cost, a, a copy of Luke or another gospel that had that story in it, or at least very familiar with the details of this story. So it was again trying to give a fresh perspective on what was taking place in the Christmas story. So we're going to read this in two chunks just so we can digest it more as a community. But let's dive in uh, and read it. Starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. Time out. Pause for a second. Let's just take that in. Have you ever had one of these moments uh, Maybe, for me, it happens a lot when I go out into nature, or it sometimes happens when I drive out of the city of Minneapolis in the nighttime to go up north uh, where my family lives, and I first time in a long time glimpse the stars. Something happens in your spirit where you look up, and you're just struck by the immensity of the universe. Have you ever had an experience like that that just kind of stops you in your tracks? And helps you understand, in a way, how small you are in comparison to it all. I think the gospel, the writer of the Gospel of John, is trying to create that moment for his readers. He's trying to get them to pay attention first and foremost to who Jesus is before the rest of the story unfolds. You can imagine almost this is like a Morgan Freeman opening. Dialogue to a movie where you're supposed to be epic. You're supposed to sit back and reflect on the way things are and how you fit in the story This is like a big zoom out before he zooms into the particulars of what happens in Jesus's story And I want to point out just a couple things so he says he uses some language that's unfamiliar to us like the word and light and life and it's important to pause and ask what he means, particularly by the word, word. What is he trying to say there? And you remember I said this is a Jewish and a Greek audience. And this is a masterful way of connecting with both of the, those audience. So when you read this passage, you can just insert Jesus' name when it says word and life. So let me read that. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, and that darkness has not overcome it. When he uses the word word there, That first verse, does it sound like another book of the Bible to you in the beginning? Does it sound like Genesis 1 to you? To a Jewish audience, to use the phrase, the word, recollects or brings back their attention to how God created the whole world through his words. Through the speech act that he proclaimed the world into existence. Psalm 33 puts it this way. This is a very important psalm for the Jewish faith. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. they starry hosts uh, by the breath of his mouth. This was a really robust idea in Jewish uh, tradition, that the word of God was a very part of who he was. And it was responsible for, his word was responsible for the creation of the whole universe. And the author of John wants us to pause and recognize that that is Jesus. Secondly, like the Greek audience, this, this phrase, the word, had rich meaning with them as well. Logos, or logos, as you might have heard it said. And this is a somewhat confusing term, but it's basically, in Greek thought, they, they thought about the principle of rationale. And the best way I've heard it described as, they believed there was this blue, the blueprint out there for the way life ought to be. And sometimes they even personified it in a deity. And the author of John here, speaking to both the Jewish and Greek audience and saying, that is Jesus. Jesus is the blueprint for how things ought to be in life. John, is it really important to him to describe Jesus as this cosmic Jesus. Often when we hear the Christmas story, we just think that that's where Jesus' story starts. But to John, it's really important For you to understand that Jesus' story had been going on for eternity. Jesus is this cosmic being who spoke the universe into existence. And it's so crucial for us to understand that He's not only the one who spoke the world into existence, but He's the very blueprint for life. We ought to have a moment when we read this and pause and reflect about Jesus' identity, like we do when we look at the stars and see how small we are and how huge. The world is that God created. It's crucial for us to have that reaction before we read the rest of the story. So let's read it. He's going to dive into a little dialogue here about John the Baptist, but he's going to continue with this theme of the word in a few verses. He says in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. This is where he kind of jumps back into the theme. The true light that gives light to everyone, the word as he described, the cosmic Jesus, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not even recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not even receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And this is where the rubber meets the road here. The word, the one who created everything, the one who breathed the stars into existence, the one who represents what life is supposed to be about, did what? Became flesh. Became a human being. Became one of us. Put God's put, God put flesh on. Was born to a teenage mom in a podong town of Bethlehem in a place that no one had ever heard of. And why? He made his dwelling among us. He made his home with us. The Creator God became the with us God. Eugene Peterson, in his translation of the text in the message, puts it this way The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. In the next verse, John goes on and says, We have seen his glory, his beauty, his majesty, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Full of what? Full of grace and truth. This is the audacity of the Christmas story. This is the insanity of the Christmas story. That the God who breathed everything into existence would come in the form of a human. It's a story about the creator God becoming the with us God, Emmanuel. It's a, it's a story about the cosmic Jesus becoming the neighborhood Jesus. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2, in this ancient hymn to the earliest church. Speaking of Jesus, he says this, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or taken advantage of. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. Humbled himself even to the point of a cross. Jesus was not satisfied with being a cosmic Jesus. Jesus, when he wanted to express his love for you and me, wanted to do it like this, here, eye to eye. Last week, Michael talked about hope and how the Christmas story changes how we understand hope the Christmas story changes how we love. Jesus, the cosmic Jesus who could have stayed up there, could have stayed distant and far away and asked you to be reverent of him, asked you to fit to his pattern of life the way things ought to be from a distance. And isn't that often how we view God? Isn't that often how we understand him to be distant and far away? He wanted to express his love for you by coming close, by looking people eye to eye, by touching people in the streets and healing them. The Christmas story changes how we love. I think it changes how we love as a community. Instead of us standing at a distance and saying conform to our way of thinking, conform to the way that we think life ought to be, our Jesus, our Lord, our Savior tells us that we ought to be the with them People. We express love first by coming here to be with people. The other day, uh, Monday, I was sitting in a meeting at Mill City at the Commons and we were waiting for Michael to show up. And Michael's not often late to meetings, uh, but I looked out the window and saw that he was talking to a neighbor from the Marshall Terrace neighborhood, which is really kind of one of your neighbors if you're part of Mill City community because we own that building. Uh, in the Marshall Terrace neighborhood, and he was just talking this guy's ear off, or this guy was talking Michael's ear off. And then eventually he came back in and told us about that it had been one of these moments, and this happens every once in a while as a pastor. People just feel the confidence to tell you their whole life story. And it took about 20 minutes to do so, which was fine, we were fine with it. And he was coming in, telling us about this story, and how some of the highlights of his story was, or lowlights really, was that he experienced cancer and a brain tumor. But he was able to tell that story with such affection for his workplace. He said the most remarkable thing, this is a neighbor saying this, my workplace, the people I worked with, stayed with me through the thick and the thin. Our neighbor down the street from the commons understands that love is communicated by presence. And being with us. I know this has been a sort of tense month, and I think there's a lot of people wondering right now in our communities, in the next few years, who is going to be with me? Not what are people going to think of me, or what are people going to say, those, though those are concerns. I think at the deepest level, there's people in our community who are wondering, who will be with me? And if we are the with them people, because we follow the with us God, we have to say that we are those people. And not just with our words, but with our actions. And our love can't be from a distance. It has to be from here, eye to eye, with people experiencing pain and struggle. I know um, a lot of you said that Thanksgiving was hard to be rec- uh, come back and be in the same space with your family. I think Jesus Being the with us god changes the way that we might encounter our family this christmas Eve. i know there's a lot of tension but what if you just created a space where you could truly be with them it seems like christmas is just designed to distract us from truly being with each other isn't it there's all all the my mic be going might be going out there's all the presents there's all of the hubbub, there's all of the decorations, there's all of these things. But what if you created space to truly be with your family, even if there was tension in the midst of that relationship? Krishnan wrote this post a couple weeks ago that just gave you really simple tools on how you might do that. And one of the things that she said, which I thought was really a great offering, was as much as you're able, if it's helpful to you, picture Jesus being in that room with your relatives that it's tense with. And imagine what Jesus would, would be doing. the Jesus who came down from heaven to be with you. How would they be relating with your relative in that room? How can we as a community create, to creates, how can we as a community create true space to be with our families this Christmas? Maybe with your kids instead of just ripping through presents. Have a time of sharing your highs and lows from the year where you can truly listen to them. If you're at a a, a work party or something like that, instead of talking small talk, say, hey man, what was the best part of your year? What was the worst part of your year? And look them in the eye and truly try to listen. See, when we take those steps as a community, when we create space to truly be with others, we are living out the idea that we are created in the image of one who is the blueprint for the way things ought to be, who is truly with us. The band can come on up. I just have a few more things to say. I think the last thing that we can really draw from this reality of us and the Christmas story celebrating that Jesus is with us is that it changes the way that we are loved by God it changes the way that we actually experience the love of God. I don't know how many times in my life I've made a mistake or I've been in the midst of struggle, and if I were to picture my relationship with God, he's as far away as he can be, up in the clouds in those starry skies somewhere, not caring about what's actually, what actually I'm experiencing. Jesus came to this earth to prove that image absolutely wrong. Our relationship with God is defined by Jesus's presence in our every day, in our every struggle, in our every minute. So when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating Jesus's very presence with us. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you as the with us God. Jesus, we recognize The sacrifice, the loss, the distance, that you endured to come and be with us. And we didn't even understand you. The people who are around you didn't even understand you, didn't even recognize you. And yet you came to be with us and you offer that gift of your presence every day to us, God. As we continue in worshiping you, and as we go out in this week, God, give us a sense of your presence in this Advent and Christmas season. God, may we celebrate that you're with us. And because of that, we can truly be with others. And that's our mission. Jesus, it's in your powerful name.